What is it? Can you hear that? What is that? What's that noise? Man, you've heard it before. That's the souls of thousands of people that are going to lose their soul because we're not active in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest and saddest things from my website is people calling me and telling me that we are lacking in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ today. It's not just peculiar in this area, it's peculiar or it's relevant all over the world that people are not taking the saving gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. In the second section of my card, which is just a tool to help you teach people the gospel, we go into a section that shows that we have been separated from God because of our sins. And as sinners, fellow sinners, we should not be high and mighty about telling other people, well, we're Christians and you're not, or whatever it might be. We should hear the souls of people that are lost. The people with spiked hair and all the studying through their face, they're just crying out for attention. One time I was down at a magic shop in uh, Hollywood Boulevard, that's Hollywood Magic, by the way, and I was buying some gimmicks, and I stepped out, and I stepped out in a crowd of people, all dressed in leather, purple and multicolored spiked hair. They had leather garment on, and parts of it were missing around the backside. And I looked around, and I was in my suit, and I looked around. They were looking at me, and I was looking at them, and I said, I'll bet you guys think I look pretty peculiar, don't you? You know, we have to have a heart for people. We have to care about their eternal salvation like God did. God sent His Son to rescue me and everyone else that is a sinner. Sin separates you from God. I don't have a little button here, so I guess I can just hit this. Isaiah says, your sins have separated you from God and your, uh, your iniquities have separated from God and your sins have hidden his face from you. And so what God is telling us, I hope you can see all that, what God is telling us is when, when he told Eve not to eat of the tree of God, the garden and he told Adam not to eat of that tree, it was because it would cause them spiritual death or spiritual separation from him. As we look at what, what happened at that time, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are in a, a brotherhood of sinners, really, in the whole world. And we need to be conscious of that. And then the wage of sin is death. God pays his, his debts, you know that? If somebody has a debt, God will pay it. God wants to pay for your salvation if you'll accept his way. But if you're not, then you have to pay, and the pay is death. As we look at uh, James chapter 2 and verse 26, it says, The body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. The principle there is that death is a separation. Death is a separation. The spiritual separation, when I sin, when I get to the age of accountability and I sin, I am separated from my God. But thanks be to God that there's a way to be restored to our Father. Now, the devil is out doing his work. We're told that the devil is like a roaring lion in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. 
seeking someone to devour. Would you run up to a, a lion and, 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 and in a cage and just run up and grab it? Would you just run up and, and say, oh, nice kitty, and try to go in and pet it? Well, the devil is, is, is described as a roaring lion, and he's hungry, and he's trying to devour you and me, our children and our friends. The saddest thing in the world would be for me to lose one of my children. The saddest thing in the world would be Pam or, or even myself, that I would deny the Lord and be lost for eternity. Everyone I meet is a precious, precious soul, a valuable person. It doesn't matter how maybe recalcitrant they are or how vulgar they are or whatever. There's a person that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we come to this point. We need to tell people that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. It's not through the Franklin Church. It's not through the, my preaching or anybody else's preaching. Salvation is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any, enter, any man enters in, he shall be saved. All the illustration of a door is, is what? If I said, look, I'm going to be your window, what would you say? Uh, look, I'm going to be your guide. Look, I'm going to be your uh, uh, road. I'm trying to use that illustration to show you something by using that illustration that, that I am involved in. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the way in. And no one comes in except through me. As we go on a little bit further, there, salvation or relationship with God is only possible through Jesus Christ. It's only possible through Christ. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, what did Jesus say? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now remember, what's one of the, what's one of the greatest uh, put-downs or put-offs from a Christian? If they're Bible-thumping or if they're self-righteous or something like that, isn't it? So when we present our material, when we're trying to guide people and show them what we have found, Let's make sure that we, under, uh, that we let them know that we love them, we care about them. If you don't, don't get involved in it. But if you really care about souls, about the children of God, if you care about people like God cares about people, that he sent his only begotten son to die for us, if we care about people like Jesus did when he was nailed to the cross, this, is, this still is beyond me. This grabs my heart in, in a way that I cannot describe it. And it's very hard for me to get through talking about this because of the deep emotions that burn in my heart. Jesus looked down at the people who had nailed him to the cross, the people who cursed him, the people who were making fun of him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. And we can see why people who reject that love, that sacrifice, that they will not be able to be in the fellowship with God. In Acts chapter 4, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish people, forbid the apostles. They said, we forbid you to speak any more at all in the name of Jesus. In the Greek, it's very emphatic. Not at all. Don't let the words, don't let the name of Jesus roll off your lips anymore. Some of the commentators have expressed it in that way. Peter said, okay. Now remember, 
We don't have to agree to not speak in Jesus. We just need to what? Not do it. Right? If we just sit around our house, watch television and not do it, it's the same thing as if we obeyed the command not to speak anymore at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter responded and said, there's no other name under heaven. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which you must be saved. Only in Christ. Christ is the only way. And then in John, if we have fellowship with the Son, we have fellowship with what? With His Father. So Jesus is the way. Now, when you're presenting this material to people, and and for those who are visiting with us, I'm demonstrating a, a set of cards, a system that I've developed over the last, oh, 45 years, I guess, uh, in teaching people how to teach the gospel. You need to be concerned. You need to care about people. And you need to show them what they need. And they need Jesus Christ. They need, the world needs Christ. We don't need the scientists, right? I remember when I was a kid and going to school, which I did once or twice just to see what it was like. But anyway, uh, I went to school the scientist or the, the teacher said science is going to solve all our problems. Remember that? Some of you are old enough to remember that science is going to solve all the problems, have they? What was World War One? It was the war to do what? End all wars. Funny, we're still in war, right? And you know what? If if we got Obama, we got change. And now that we got Obama, some people still want change. And the next president is going to give us what? The, the, the solution to all man's problems is Jesus Christ because this world will not last forever. So Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Here's something that's very important. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. And this is a very powerful point. In Ephesians chapter 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Notice it doesn't say almost all spiritual blessings, nor does it say just about all spiritual blessings, does it? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says all spiritual blessings are in Christ. So I need to be in Christ. Christ is the way. He's the door. There's no other name. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And all spiritual blessings are in Christ. How many people have been to Alaska? Oh, how many people have been to Alaska at uh, 30 below zero? <laughs> 40 below zero. Uh, the churches up there are very concerned about members not showing up. You know why? Because if they break down, they've got a half an hour before they're dead. And so everybody makes sure that they, they go out and, and, and make sure the members aren't broken down or something. Well, if you had a key to get into a cabin that had food and clothing and warmth in there, and you had that key, and all blessings were in that room, in that cabin, and you dropped the key through the hole in the porch, guess what? You're that close, but not close enough. And so what we're going to look at is how we get into Christ, right? How do we get into Christ? Salvation is a spiritual blessing and salvation is in Christ. And this is very important. There's a lot of different theories on how to be saved. Just 
God's going to save everybody or accept Jesus as your personal Savior or ask Jesus to come into your heart. A lot of those are not true because salvation is in Christ and the Bible tells us how to get into Christ. And again, as I as I'm preaching today, I'm doing a, a multitude of things. I'm explaining how to do it. I'm preaching a sermon and and uh, it's it's a little bit awkward to do all this, but I hope you understand what I'm doing. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, the first thing is that if I'm in Christ, I'm in a relationship with Christ. Pam and I are in marriage. Uh, has anybody seen marriage? I haven't seen it. I, I've got a, I've got a uh, piece of paper that said I am. But we know we're, we're living in what? Freedom. We're living in democracy. Being in Christ is being in a relationship with Christ, like being in marriage is being in relationship with somebody, or, or living in freedom is living in the United States. We understand that. And all spiritual blessings are in Christ, so everything that I enjoy as a husband of Pam is because we're in a relationship of marriage together. Everything I enjoy as a Christian is because I'm in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then I'm in his body. The, the church is the body, but... Uh, in Christ is being in the body. And it says in the Romans chapter 12 and verse 5, for we are one body in Christ. So I'm connecting the body, showing people that, that being in the body and being in Christ is the same thing. Now, the reason this is important is because if you point somebody out in the audience and you want to say, uh, there's a gentleman over there uh, wearing a blue shirt, laying back there, kind of uh, enjoying life. Uh, uh, he's an elder. Now you know a little bit more about him, right? He's an insurance agent. He's, he has an insurance company. Uh, he's a Christian. Uh, there's, he's my friend. So as the more words I use, the more you have a descriptive idea of what this person is, who he is, and so on, right? And so these descriptive terms, being in the body, being in Christ, show you relationship. The woman that I'm married to is a mother. She's a grandmother. She's a dental technician, an x-ray technician. She's uh, owned businesses. She owned a figure salon. She owned a um, janitorial service. And she's a great-grandmother. See? Everything I use gives you a broader description of this person. Every, every one of these words gives us a bigger description of what this relationship of being in Christ or being in salvation or having salvation is. Then we find out that we're in the church. And... A lot of people say, well, I'll, I'll meet you at the church. This is not the church, is it? This is the church, the called out. The Greek word is ekklesia. Ek, it means out, and klesia means to call. So the church is the called out. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's people who have been called out of the world into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I've been called out by the elders to... Uh, be a, a, an evangelist here. So I'm a, I'm a called out person. That's all it meant. If you, had a, if you had some meat and you were calling some dogs and here's a bunch of dogs out there eating the meat that I threw out, you could say, if you were speaking Greek back in the days of Jesus, there's Jesus, Jerry's church of dogs, right? There's a called out. When there was an unruly mob in Acts chapter 19, it was called the church. Because we don't have a right to be called out in this unruly situation. But if you want to take anything to, uh, against Paul and Barnabas, take it to a legal church, a legal assembly, a legal gathering. 
So then we're in the family of God. Uh, Barnes, you have my kids in your will? You don't like my kids, huh? You think my kids are, your kids are better than my kids? Uh, no. He doesn't have a responsibility to my children, does he? He has a responsibility to his children in his family. I have a responsibility to my children in my family. So that shows that relationship. And then in the kingdom shows my relationship to authority, doesn't it? So we're one body in Christ. Uh, Jesus is head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now, the kingdom and the, and the church do not have a term that says the church is the kingdom, the kingdom is the church. But in accommodative language, we have a passage that Jesus told Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, if I tell Brother Phil over here, uh, Phil, I'm going to build a building in the back of my uh, property here and I'm going to give you the keys to my workshop. Would you understand that he was getting the keys to the workshop or to the building that I was building? Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Here's the keys to the kingdom. He's using two, church, two words to describe the same thing, isn't he? And then we read in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, uh, the Peter's telling the, or Paul's telling the uh, elders of the church, he says, take heed to the church, to the flock of which God has made you overseers, the church which he purchased with his blood. Now, as we go over to Romans or Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, God has chosen men of every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, and he has purchased them with his blood to be a kingdom and priest. So here we have the blood-bought kingdom, the blood-bought church. If Mitch gave me, to illustrate this, if Mitch gave me $10,000 and Barnes, uh, Brother Phil says, what would you do with that $10,000 Phil gave you? I said, I bought some transportation, right? And then uh, David says, uh, what did you do with that $10,000 that Mitch gave you? I said, I bought an airplane. You thought I was going to buy a car, didn't you? I already have many cars. So, but am I, did I lie to Phil? No. Now you know that the transportation is what? An airplane. And you define it more. That's what we're doing with all these words. And it just takes a little bit of Bible study. None of that is hard. You don't have to be a, a, a Bible scholar to understand that being in Christ is being in his body, being in the church, being in the family, being in the kingdom. Right? But there are some important relationships that we can understand. What does it mean to be in the church? Because if you're outside of Christ, guess what? You're cast out into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't want that, do we? That's why we hear those cries coming out. All right? So, the spiritual relationship. If I'm in the church, I'm part of a blood-bought people. That's important, isn't it? Is the church important? Yes. I have a car out here. Spent $7,000 buying it. $7,000. What do you think I thought of the $7,000 compared to the car. Which one did I like most? It was the car, obviously, because I was willing to give up what? My $7,000 for the car. Jesus was willing to give up his blood for the church. To say the church is not important is to say what? The blood of Christ is not important. Isn't that correct? And so people have a disrespect for the church. They say, oh, you know, as long as we're in the kingdom. Well, the kingdom and the church are the same people. They're different words, just like wife and mother and sweetheart are different words to describe Pam, but they all refer to the same person. And then in the body, 
Jesus Christ is the Savior of the body. He's not Savior of all religious bodies, is He? He's not going to save the Buddhists and the... He's going to not save the bodies that don't obey Him. Not His body. He's not saving all religious bodies. He's going to save His body, the church. And then in the house or the family of God, we're heirs. We're going to inherit eternal life. God has an inheritance. My mom and dad left me an inheritance. I got a gun and a few bucks. Thankful, I got them. But that was my inheritance. That's what they left me. I didn't have a choice. Here's, here's your inheritance. Well, I, I, you know, I really wanted a Ferrari. I'm sorry, there's no Ferrari in inheritance. Now, if you're following a church that's not following, or if you're in a church that's not following the Word of God, guess what? You don't have an inheritance. Jesus is the Savior of His family, the family of God. And then to be in the kingdom shows relationship to authority. I'm an American. I'm not Japanese. When I was in France, I was an American. I wasn't French. I was an American. I was in their country. I had to do their, obey their laws. But I was still responsible to my country. And so it is. I'm in another country. I'm in the devil's domain, but I belong in the kingdom of Christ. And he will deliver up the kingdom. Not all kingdoms. Not people who follow false leaders, false religious groups. He's going to deliver up his kingdom. Those who do his will. All right. How does someone get into Christ? And what I do is I just ask people that I'm studying with, call your preacher and ask how to get into Christ. Because there's only one, there's only three passages that tell you how to get into Christ. And guess what? They don't teach it. It's amazing. And so how do we get into Christ? Well, we're baptized into Christ, it says, in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 6. Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him through baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might what? Walk in newness of life. We got a new life in your house, don't we? You're a grandmother now. Got a new life. Was there a birth involved or did just a, you find it in the cabbage patch? <laughs> you know, Jesus says... That if we're baptized through the Apostle Paul, if we're baptized into Christ, we're raised to walk in newness of life. Is that a new birth? Is that being born again? Yes. And this is the only passage that describes that. In fact, and then let's go a little bit further. So we're baptized into Christ. The next passage of Scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. By one spirit, by the direction of the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, if, you're, if the Holy Spirit isn't directing you and you find a creed or some, some man or some uh, religious philosophy that tells you how you get into Christ, oh, you just accept Jesus into your heart. Anytime I hear somebody say that, I say, where is that passage? I've got a passage that says you're baptized into Christ. Where's the passage that say that you get salvation through receiving Jesus into your heart? There is no passage that says that. These are the passages that tell you how to get into Christ. And by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. And then the last one is Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ or put on Christ. So those are the three passages that tell us to get into how to get into Christ. Now, 
What's the significance again of getting into Christ? That's why I lay that, that one card out there. All spiritual blessings are in Christ because I come back to it. The significance of being in Christ is the fact that all spiritual blessings <coughs> are in Christ. See how you can bring that down? What a, what a privilege to help people see these specific instructions from God. Don't you feel it's a privilege to go out and tell people? I, I baptized a man one time. He was a child molester. And uh, it was just the hardest thing in my life because his girls were just a little bit older than my daughter. And he was very guilty. But I taught him, he says, God will really forgive me. And I said, yes, God will forgive you. God would really forgive me. And he just couldn't get over it. And we baptized him into Christ. He changed his life. The reason I know there's a God in heaven and the reason I know that his word is the power unto salvation is because I've seen it change people. I've seen it change people. I've seen people become a new creature. And it's fantastic. So we're baptized into Christ. We're raised to walk in newness of life. The Catholic Church, of which I was a member at one time before I obeyed the gospel, has a footnote. You know these Bibles with footnotes in it? Here's their footnote. St. Paul alludes to the manner in which baptism was ordinarily conferred in the primitive church by immersion. Isn't that amazing? See, it's easy to know. I'm, I'm amazed. When I started studying the Bible, how, how many things... I just want to tell people, guess what I found? And here I'm a member of the Catholic Church, and they've got the answer right there, and I just never paid attention to it. That they, um, Okay, Paul alludes to the manner in which baptism was ordinarily conferred in the primitive church by immersion. The descent of the body into the water is suggestive of the descent of the body into the grave. Isn't that what... That's a great commentary. And the ascent is a... Is a is a, uh, a suggestion of the resurrection of, into new life. St. Paul obviously sees more than a mere symbol in the rite of baptism. As a result of it, we are incorporated into Christ's mystical body, where all spiritual blessings are, and live a new life. So, what I'm telling you is what most people, what actually everybody believes the Bible teaches. Baptism was immersion. It was immersion into Christ. You were immersed into Christ, and uh, that was the way, as we read in the Baptist manual, that that's the way uh, into the church and gives you all rights and privileges of full membership. Well, what a blessing. But some people will say, you know what? Members of the Church of Christ, you guys kind of believe in water, bapt uh, water salvation, baptism salvation. No. Now, we may preach more on baptism. Why? The reason we need to preach more on baptism is because that's where people really kind of mess it up. You know, the devil doesn't have to keep you from believing in Jesus. You know that? The demons also believe in what? So you can believe in Jesus and not be saved. Uh, you can hear the gospel and not be saved. Because in the parable of the sower, the, the birds come and snatch it away, right? The evil one takes it away. You can repent. What is repentance? A change of mind. You can change your mind. How many times have you heard somebody say, I, I, I'm going to quit smoking, and next week you see them, they're smoking, and what do you say? I thought you'd quit smoking. Well, I did. It'll kill me. Well, why are you still smoking? 
Uh, you want to be killed? Well, <laughs> I'm working on it, but, you know, right? If I said, look, I, I, I was guilty of killing people and I've really cut down to two or three a week. Have I, re- have I really repented? No. Repentance is a change of mind that what? Leads to a change of life. All right? But anyway, we have to, and I have to go through these unfortunately pretty rapidly because we don't have time to go in depth in the, in the passages themselves. But I want to lay out and show you how easy it is to present God's plan of salvation to people. You have to hear the word, obviously, right? You have to hear the word, obviously. Jackie told me and Pam told me, he says, you've got to see the Franklin Church. I didn't know there was a Franklin Church. I didn't know about it. Pam came home and said, you've got to go see this congregation. It's just, it's fantastic. I would have never come here had I not heard about it, right? So you have to hear, and then you have to believe it. Well, after I came, I believed the Franklin Church was pretty good. Wanted to be part of it. Hebrews says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We'll have a lesson on that later. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And faith or belief, there's only one word for faith and belief in the Bible. It's the word pistis, the Greek word. And Jesus, it's not trusting faith. People say, do you have trusting faith? Faith is trust. And if it's not a trusting faith, then it's a little faith or a barren faith or a shipwrecked faith that we read about in the Bible. But faith means trust to the, to the point where you accept the authority or the convictions that lie under that faith. Repentance is a change of mind that brings about, by, caused by a godly sorrow. Going back to my illustration, if you say, Jerry, did you, cut, did you repent of killing people? Yeah. Have you, have you quit killing people? Yes, I did. I quit killing why? Bullets are, are expensive. You know, I just had to cut down. It's just too expensive to kill people anymore. Was I, have I really repented? Repentance is a, a change of mind because of a godly sorrow for sin that results in a change of life. And we can read these passages that reinforce that. Confession. It's interesting. I was told, asked and commissioned to preach a lesson on Confession. What does confession really mean? To speak the same as. Doesn't that sound peculiar? To speak the same as. Does that sound a little peculiar to you? But if Jesus says, this is a sin, guess what? If I confess him, I speak the same as him. The reason I'm demonstrating that salvation is only in Christ and that you're baptized into Christ is because I'm confessing Christ. I'm speaking the same thing that he speaks. Jesus said, why call me Lord and not do what I ask? When Jackie was little, I used this illustration. I said, uh, Jackie said, Daddy, I love you. I said, okay, go home with Mama. And Daddy, I can't because I love you so much. No, I want you to go home with Mother. No, I can't, Daddy, because I want to stay with you because I love you so much. No, honey, I want you to go home with Mama and uh, I'll be home later. No, Daddy, I, want to, I love you and I, I, I want to stay with you, so I'm going to stay with you. And that's exactly what Jesus said to the Jews. If you were disciples of Moses, you'd listen to me, right? You see the idea there? So, uh, confession means that we speak the same as. Timothy made the great confession. And so did Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Are you the, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, yes. For this I've been born, for this I came into the world. And then we have to be baptized 
And baptism is, is an immersion. It's a death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm just going to run through it very quick. It's a command. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's an imperative. It means that if you believe and you're baptized, you'll be saved. Uh, in the very first sermon, they said, what can we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. It is to wash away your sins in Acts chapter 22. The apostle Paul had seen the Lord. He hadn't eaten for three days. And Nias was sent over there and says, uh, Paul, why are you waiting? Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Paul had seen the Lord. He had talked to the Lord. The Lord chastised him and said, you go into the street called straight. You find Simon's house and you wait there till I send somebody over to tell you what to do. And when the guy came over, he said, just accept Jesus into your heart, right? No, he said, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And then it's in water. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, as Peter was still speaking, behold, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And the circumcised believers were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them also. And Peter said, can anyone refuse water for these to be baptized? who received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? In that case, Holy Spirit baptism was administered by God, but Holy Spirit baptism didn't save anybody. It just demonstrated that these people were candidates for water baptism into Jesus Christ for salvation. So they, they had access to all spiritual blessings in Christ. And it's a burial. If you don't know Greek and you can't, uh, look it up in a dictionary. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him. So baptism has to involve what? A burial, which is an immersion and so on. All right, then, then it's to save you. In 1 Peter 3.21, it says, baptism now saves you. I was talking to some people one time, and they didn't believe that baptism was necessary. So I asked them, if I find a passage that says baptism now saves you, would you believe it? And they said, well, sure. I said, man, my job is over because I got a scripture that says that. And I'll bet it even says it in their Bible. And it did. And they read it and looked at it. And then they looked at me and they turned their back to me and read it again and looked over their shoulder. And for about 20 minutes, they kept reading it and looking over my shoulder. So finally, they turned around with a smile and I said, well, what do you think? They said, Peter made a mistake. So you can deny the Lord if you want, but you know what? Baptism will save you. Not baptism only. Every time you dive in a swimming pool, you're being baptized, right? Every time my wife falls asleep in the bathtub, I hear the book fall in there and she was baptized. <laughs> she falls asleep there every once in a while. That's not what we're talking about, is it? We're talking about being baptized because what? You heard the word of God and, you, and, and then you believed it. And it, it caused you to realize that you're a sinner and you're separated from God. So you want to change your mind because of the godly sorrow for sin that results in a, a change of life. So then you confess Jesus as Lord. Not confess your sins. In Romans 10, it says if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. For with the heart man believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth confession unto salvation. Everybody's a sinner. I don't even want to know about your sins. I don't want to know about Phil's sins. <laughs> I don't want to know about people's sins. We
we want to know and tell people that you need to confess Jesus as Lord. That's what Jesus did. He said, yes, I'm Lord. That's what Timothy did. He made the good confession. And so that's the confession that we need to make. And then we're baptized because it's a command. Now, the reason I have more scriptures under baptism is because the devil is trying to keep you from being baptized. Because if you're not baptized into Christ, you don't have any spiritual blessings. And it's his job to keep you from doing that. Sad, isn't it? And then I just ask the people, would you like to be baptized into Christ? And the beautiful thing is, there's not anybody in this church, in this congregation, that can put you into Christ. You know that? Can you, Mitch? How about you, Phil? And the Lord adds you to the church, those who are being saved. Those who received the word were baptized and they were added by the Lord. The Lord will put you in the right church. If you do what he says, He will. it may be that all of us here are just a bunch of sinners. Mitch said they were, right? <laughs> and we are sinners. We might not get you in the right congregation. We not, might get you in the right church. But God will do what he says and he will add you to the church. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be beautiful to know? In 1 John 5 and verse 3 and 4 it says, that we, the things were written, that we may know that we have eternal life. Wouldn't you love to know that you have eternal life? That's what I go out to share with people. What I hear, the reason I develop these cards, the reason I teach on these, the reason I spent the thousands and tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars creating the website and handing these out for the years, last 40 years, is because, can you hear it? Can you hear that? Can you hear the souls of those people crying out for salvation in misery? Their homes are wrecked. Their kids are on drugs. Their, their marriages are split because of adultery and fornication. They're crying out. They're trying to find peace. They're trying to find happiness. And they're doing it in the wrong way. And they're sinning. And they're going to be destroyed if we don't take them that message. I can't sleep some nights. I see people that I just want to grab and hold them and say, I love you. Can, will you please listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me show you what I've found in the Bible. Let me show you how easy it is to find that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, that he is the door, and that if you're baptized into Christ, you will have all spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings.